What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. On today's show, I've got Justin Taylor. He's in the Northeast Arkansas market. He's building a rental portfolio. He's also wholesaling. He's flipping a little bit, um, dabbling in multifamily. Got like he got distracted and now has been insanely focused. He talks about how he struggled in the business a little bit the uh, past year. How he went from working with another flipper and wholesaler and rental buyer. Uh, to going out on his own and some amazing tips from the mindset strategy and focus side. Like I really encourage you guys to listen to this one because um, if you need focus, we talk it's towards the middle to end of the show on how to do it and really be consistent with your actions is the most important thing. So really enjoy this conversation. I think you guys are too. My name is Bill Allen and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called seven figure flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. I am back with another great show today. Today, we're going to be talking about some tangible things that you guys can use to actually um, get some get things done. Like you guys are out there trying to grow your real estate business or start your real estate business. And I feel like on these shows, a lot of times we talk about, we tell somebody's story, we talk about what they've done and then kind of leave you empty at the end. I'm not saying my show does that, but lots of shows out there do that. Um, but today, my goal is to is to talk to my guest and figure out how he's seen some of the success, some of the, the th a framework that he's created to become successful and stay successful and see success. So we're gonna talk about that framework today. We're gonna talk about some ways that you can actually take action to get to the next step of wherever you are from where you where you were and where you, or where you are now and where you wanna go. So uh, my guest today is Justin Taylor. What's up, Justin, how are you? Hey, Bill. I, uh, why don't you start with just, Tell everybody who you are. You've never been on the show before, right? So tell them who yeah. you are and what you've got going on. Yeah. So I actually, let's see, I guess in 2019 was when I kind of got into the real estate. I worked under a guy named Brent Meeks. He was actually on your podcast. So I showed up for probably two seconds on that episode where he uh, said, hey, Justin's walking in. So not much, but uh, on just to kind of fast forward, you know, I think on that episode, I around the time I bought a duplex, I was working for Brent as an acquisitions guy, but before that, I was in college, finished up a four-year degree, took me about actually closer to five years and a pre-med degree. I moved up to uh, from central Louisiana. I moved to northeast Arkansas is where I met Brent. I was kind of dabbling around in the thoughts of, you know, I want to get into real estate. Uh, got super blessed to have met Brent around the time he was joining your runway. So I uh, had an opportunity to just dive into the seven-figure academy through his company. And so... Around the time he was kind of transferring from the agent role to the investor role, and we both got to, got to kind of attack the seven-figure vault. And so I had an opportunity to dive into that content for free. And fast forward to now, I've joined the group on my own. But at the time, I had, didn't have a clue what I was doing. So there was a lot of that analysis paralysis of just diving into the content, super, super heavy, overwhelming myself, probably eight months before we get our first deal. And then I think Brent had 30, maybe 40 something rental properties. Fast forward to today, he's sitting at over a hundred doors. So we tripled his portfolio. Um, I was his acquisitions guy. I said, Hey Brent, just let me come in. I'll learn from you. And I eventually want to part ways. I don't know when, but for Brent, you know, his goal was a hundred doors. So we hit a hundred doors 
early last year, early 22, I officially branched off from my own. Um, so I, I got to get some good experience under Helm. And since then I have, I have, I had didn't buy, I sold that duplex. We made almost $45,000 on it. I used that cash to actually hire my sister and she now works with me. So I was able to experience that, use that income to put her on a salary to come work with me. And she's been working with me for a year and we've, and we've built my portfolio from that duplex. And now we're sitting close to a little over 15 doors. We've actually got five under contract right now that we're about to close on. Um, halfway through last year, we, we dove into the private lending stuff and we, we got access to some private funds that are allowing us to really harness and hone in on the burst strategy where we buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. So that's kind of our main focus just to try to really build that, that rental portfolio. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's my, Summary, I can talk an hour about that stuff because that's part of my testimony, but um, I'll try to keep it short with that. So uh, so your primary goal is to build your rental portfolio? Correct. And how are you doing that? Yeah, so we obviously, the, the seven-figure coaching group teaches us a lot about marketing. So we're leveraging all the marketing. Uh, we're, we're huge on cold calling and direct mail right now and some PPL. But we're leveraging the what what the group is teaching us through marketing, produce leads, and we're the primary buyers. So I'm in Vaughn's, uh, you know, the Top Gun group. He he's big on follow one course until successful. So uh, the idea is, you know, we've got our wholesale company that's producing leads, which you know we call it our acquisitions company, and then my buy and hold company is the biggest buyer. So we're we're buying directly from our wholesale company. So that's the how we're doing that. Um, we, we still wholesale deals if we're in a position where we can't buy, but the primary strategy is just keep buying those rental properties with the private funds. Okay, so raising, so you're marketing directly to sellers. Um, you are doing some wholesaling, yeah? Yes. How, uh, like, what does that look like? How many, how many deals typically are you doing? What, do you, what have you done so far this year? Or are you buying pretty much everything that comes across the table? So we're, we're still, the main goal is to buy everything. You know, we, I don't know if you want to call it a wholesale deal, if I wholesale it to myself, but through wholesale deals, we've only done about 10 this year where we've wholesaled it to other investors and then everything else, if we can buy it, we're keeping it. And is that just because it doesn't fit your criteria or is that because you might not have the money or something like that at the time? A little bit of both. Um, we came across a, a big 3,200 square foot house that just didn't make sense as a rental. So we wholesaled it to another rehabber here in this market. So Sometimes it's that, but I'd say 90% of the time it's uh, just not having the money. So that's one of the things moving forward is I'm about to try to really hone in on raising more funds because that's been our biggest bottleneck. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's the case for a lot of people. Like most people I talk to is like, if I had unlimited money, I, I'd be able to buy uh, deals. And then on the other side, I see people that have money and they they don't have enough deal flow. So it's it's kind of interesting to watch, but most of the time money is the issue. Um, are you, You're in Northeast Arkansas still? Yes. Okay. What, what cities are around there and what's the size of the population? Yeah. So we're in central Louisiana too. Um, we've got a couple of rehabs going there, but I live in Northeast Arkansas. Um, Northeast Arkansas, Jonesboro is about a hundred thousand. Um, the city itself is closer to 70, but with the surrounding, it brings in, you know, 150 and there's little rock is two and a half hours south of us. We've got Branson, Missouri, four hours north of us, Nashville, about three or four hours to the right of us. So we've got a lot of bigger, um, you know, populated cities that, that help our, I think our city is very unique. Um, I've talked to a guy that's been in real estate since 1990 in this market. And he said back in 2008, he didn't notice much of a difference, even right now with the shift, 
you know, if we buy correctly, deals are still moving. So our, our market is is pretty solid. Nice. Okay. So um, what do you feel like? So you worked, so you, if people thought I talk fast, then um, it's interesting to listen to you talk. It was that, that opening was like, whoo. So they might have to slow it down a little bit to what they're used to, which I have no problem with because I like to listen really fast. So um, so you work for somebody else. He's been on the show before. Brent Meeks um, was in our program for a while. Great guy. You work for him. And then you went out on your own last year and uh, came into our program on your own and kind of have built your business now. So what was some of the, like, if somebody's listening to this, that is working for somebody else, whether they're in a W2 job or they're working for somebody else in a wholesaling business or something like that, what are some of the things during that transition that you didn't realize you had to do that you didn't have to do before that has been kind of a wake up call to you as a business owner versus working for somebody else. And I think this is something, if somebody's got a W2 job, it's a big transition. If somebody's working in somebody else's company, even in real estate, they think they got it all figured out, but there's a lot of things probably that a business owner has to do that they didn't realize and think that they had to do. So what are some of those things that, that you saw in that transition for you that were either a challenge or that you didn't think about? Yeah. So it, first of all, it's funny you say I talk fast. I thought I was trying to slow down, but um, but uh, yeah. So the transition there, there was definitely a a huge transition there because you know when I was working with Brent, we just close deals and then move on to the next one. I didn't have to worry about project management. I didn't have to worry about cash flow, profit and loss statements. And this year, I've definitely experienced some cash crunches where like I'm I'm like oh crap, like what do I do here? But they, you know that's the beauty of being in the coaching group. I'm, I'm able to get on the phone with Vaughn and say, "Hey, what do I do here?" And within a few minutes, I have an answer. But the the transition, I think that um, what was it? A couple months ago, we got to hop on the call with Brandon Grant Cardone's partner, and he told the story of the uh, building a house. And you know, imagine the the couple who builds a house who has a three bed, two bath, and they the goal is to build a three bed, two bath halfway through the building of this new house, they make more money. And he says, you know what, let's add a second story and so on, you know, now he's, they're like, okay, let's build a second story. So on, keep repeating that process. He's at five stories because he starts making more money. And all of a sudden the house collapses because the original blueprint wasn't meant to build a five story house. Um, I think that's what I experienced that analogy of, you know, we started making money and we just was chaotically closing deals. And all of a sudden there was a collapse because we didn't build the business on where we were going. Um, I think to, to, to make that more clear is, at least in the real estate business, we're closing deals. So I'll say, okay, let's, let's spend more money. Let's spend more money. Let's spend more, more money on marketing. We're producing a lot of leads. I think producing leads is equivalent to producing stories on top of the house. Um, and we didn't have the correct systems on the influx of leads where we were just wasting money on leads. And that's where the class happens where, you know, we, I think at one point we had 25 something properties under contract and didn't move any of them because my disposition process was horrible. I had built a small team of nine people. I was like, let's do this. And then it just collapses where all of a sudden I'm like, crap, we've got a lot going on. So we took a huge step back. And right now my team is just me, my sister and a VA. And we're doing more deals because now we're more clear. We're we're a smaller ship. We're not. We don't have any leaks. And now we're going to try to rescale on where we're going. So, um, I know I just rambled, but that was my. Well, biggest. would you say would you say that one of the things you learned is just kind of scaling too quickly? It sounds like you were building that house, like adding stories, just way too fast to the house. Absolutely. Why 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 is that? Like why did you do that? Do you feel like it's like 
some pressure inside of the group or you see other people with bigger teams and you're like, I can get there really, really fast? Um, I think because I, when I worked with Brent, we experienced a lot of growth, but he had a rental portfolio that could take the hit. And I just kind of thought, you know, maybe I could do the same thing. And so, and also there was a, you know, a big learning curve on, on how to build the business on where you're going to. So I think that's why. I think there's, so there's something that I try to talk about a lot and it's scaling responsibly. It's letting the business pay for the growth of the business. And yeah. I, I, the time that I, this, I've been doing this for probably close to 10 years now, actually. And when I joined seven figure flipping in the beginning, I was able to build a company really fast. And so when people saw it, it I say fast, like I don't, it didn't feel fast to me because it was one person at a time. It was like yeah. one person at a time. And so when I felt a need, I just added one more person. I wasn't hiring three, four, five people at once. I, I used to say, I don't, you, you can't go from zero to Andy McFarland overnight. So like yeah. Andy's team, when I joined, what, he had like 15 or 20 people on his staff, but he'd been doing it for like 10 or 12 years. And some people I saw try to do it in a year. And I yeah. said, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to do as much as I can in the beginning. And then I'm going to add another person, another person, another person as I went. And so the end of my first year, I had three people feel like, man, you built this huge company, it scaled so fast. And I, I was like, I didn't feel like I did. But my recommendation to people is you, you can't just add lots of people and build this five-story house in a couple weeks or a couple months. You've really got to do more deals, bring in more revenue, and let that revenue kind of grow the company. Uh, the cool thing for me was I didn't have to pull any money out because I had a full-time W-2 job. And so for a year and a half, I just took all that money that I was making in the business and just dumped it back into the business. And so most people can't do that. Most people have to pull money out to pay for their bills and food and mortgage and all that stuff. So um, that was a big advantage that I had, but I really grew responsibly. I really just tried to grow one person at a time. And there was a point where I started, I got a little bit too big, you know? And so then we have to compress a little bit. We put that, add that extra story on and go, oh, it's starting to, like the wind just blew and it's shaking the house a little bit, right? And so uh, sometimes we have to, you know, make some changes and they're tough changes because they're people that have, you know, they're expecting pay. And a lot of times what I see is entrepreneurs and business owners, they're willing to make their payroll and lose money themselves when they built a business to make money for them and their family and they're paying everybody else but them. And that's not, that's not acceptable. Like the business, because they think it's, it's, it's like, oh, I can handle it. But the business needs to be separate from the owner. Like the business is different than the owner. It's the business has to be really healthy and successful and make money. So you did a little bit of that. You had to kind of compress a little bit. And um, so what did you learn from it? And what, what are some of the things that you think that you could teach the audience now from some of the stuff that you're doing now that's made you really, really successful? Yeah, so I think that, so I'm just trying to think how to process it. So the, the, it's a simple concept, building momentum, momentum consistently. Uh, last year, I was not consistent with my weekly KPIs. So, um, you know, 50 calls a day when the appointment's set, just the basic stuff. I think from last year to this year, my biggest change has just been in the consistency and the simple thing. Um, there was a lot of, you know, growth where we would lose the consistency on the basic stuff. So this year, one of the things me and Vaughn has been working on is, you know, I'm not allowed to get to that next level until I'm consistent with the current level. 
so that is that's the biggest thing right now is consistency. We even have a number to it. You know, with Vaughn, I'm not allowed to hire another acquisitions guy until we hit a certain consistency and in, in the revenue each month. Um, so that's I would say that's the biggest thing is just learning how to be consistent. Um, which is funny because you know there's part of my biggest thing that that slowed me down was not taking action because I spent so much time just consuming information. And and when I look back on it, I consumed that information out of insecurities, not out of necessity. I didn't need that information to begin with to get started. And so that's kind of what happened last year, you know, learning all this information, I'll start implementing it and and thinking, you know, I'm gonna go build this big company. But in all reality, there's no point to build if you can't be consistent with the simple things on the front end. So uh, that's my biggest learning curve and the thing that I'm working on currently is just the consistency on the simple things. I like that. You can't go to the next level until you've kind of like mastered this level. Uh, so what does that like, what does that really mean to you? Does it mean like you can't do more deals? You can't start flipping? You can't start these other businesses that you want to do? Like, what does that, what does that look like? I don't think it's more deals. I think it's, it's more of maxing out, um, maxing out my rep. And so there's like, I can't hire another acquisition guys and probably max out my own rep. Um, I think last year I wasn't maxing out my rep. So I was trying to hire somebody and delegate too quick before I mastered it on my own. Um, but as far as like putting a number to it, you know, what me and Vaughn are working through is I'm not allowed to hire another acquisitions guy until we hit 50,000 at least three months in a row consistently. I've had months where I've hit way more than that, but it hasn't been consistent. Mm. And so to put a number to it is, is, you know, you might can hit 80,000 one month, but then the next month you're at 10, you got to hire that before you hire an acquisition guy, you got to be consistent with that. So right now it's just consistency over the simple things. And, 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 and quite honestly, you know, when you, you think of this big goal, you get the chills, you get excited and you, and you say, Hey, it's exciting to go do a hundred deals a month. But when you really, when you're in the business and you're building it, it's not as, it's not as exciting as it sounds, just getting up every single day, making the calls, going to bed, making the calls and being consistent. So if you can get through the monotonous of the day-to-day of that consistent action, then you can take the next level and start building, um, which I think I kind of went down a different rabbit hole just now, but hope I answered your question. No, that's, that's exact. That's great. First of all, it's great coaching by Vaughn. I love that concept. Um, and I think it'd be really beneficial for the folks that are listening because usually we're just distracted. We're like the squirrels getting excited by everything that runs by. And we just bounce from thing to thing to thing, marketing channel to marketing channel, the next hire, these kind of things. Um, and then, oh, folks, if you're listening, we got our first Mike could a few minutes ago. So um, he said, Mike could, if you've never lived in the South, that is a saying <laughs> in a phrase that is actually um, just regular English down here. Um, you might could do that. And uh, I'm sure we'll get a couple more of them. But before I lived in the South, I'd never heard that. I remember moving down to Atlanta and I heard somebody say Mike could. And I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> like, I've never heard that before. So Northeast, Northeast, Northeast Arkansas, Mike could is a total normal thing that you'll hear every single day, I'm sure, just like Nashville. So yeah. uh, I love it. I had to put that disclaimer for all the California people that are like, what did he just say? Yeah. Um I love that coaching. I think it's really incredible. So consistency will win. And you said the monotonous consistency of something. The um, the thing that I think about a lot is like, are we willing to fail long enough at something to be, get really good at it? Or um, are we willing to just really be bad or to put in the reps like these, like 10,000 iterations of something before we get good at it? And 
I don't think um, any of you need to be good at everything inside of your business. I don't think you need to spend time learning every single uh, intricacy and every single skill that's running in your business. You can definitely hire some of those things out, but there are things that I think you have to be really good at. One of them is financials. So I don't think anybody's going to care about your money more than you as a business owner. Nobody's going to come in and and care about your PL, your balance sheet, and all of your cash and cash flow and cash crunch and all that stuff like you're going to. And so that's something that I think you need to get really good at. And you should not be outsourcing the big picture financial projections, futures, things like that of your business um, in the beginning. And you should take stock in that and learn that. That's one thing that I think is really important. The other one is probably the marketing and KPIs, like Justin talked about. The KPIs, the numbers, the data, and how things are looking to be able to forecast and project what you're going to do in the future and make really strategic big picture decisions um, as a business owner. These are the two last two things that I ever gave up. And I never gave up the financial management of a company, just the bookkeeping and some of the numbers and data and stuff like that. So um, Justin, what are what are some other things that you've learned along the way that you think somebody listening to this could, could be helped by? Yeah, so one of the things that really helped me was uh, I heard this from someone and I've, ever since then I've implemented it and it's just been a game changer in my focus. So one of my, my biggest issues is, is having that visionary quality of when I hear something, I'm like, Oh, I want to go do that. Or I want to go do that. And so he, what he had said is, you know, you, you've got what's called shiny object syndrome. And the idea isn't to turn your shiny object syndrome off. It's just to harness it, you know, harness it and focus it. And, and the way to make that tangible is I have a Trello board. When I think of an idea, I put it in my shiny object syndrome box and I don't, I forget about it. I'm very clear on what my weekly KPIs are. And I don't, I don't touch that shiny object syndrome box. I've probably got over a hundred little tabs in there, just stuff that's built up when I hear of an idea. So that, that's been huge in my focus and harnessing that shiny object syndrome uh, box. And um, it allows me to just stay focused on what my weekly KPIs are. So like how many calls and appointments and offers I need to be making. If you're clear on those three KPIs, which I like to call them KPAs, like key performance actions, what are the actions I have to take? And so if you're clear on that, and then you have your shiny object syndrome box that you say, hey, you know, anytime I come up with an idea, it sits there. You review that once a quarter, like, hey, is there anything here that's going to be a, something that good to implement? Um, that's been really big. And another thing that's been really big to me too is, is uh, the community of being in seven figure flipping. Uh, I think that when I originally joined, you know, it's like, okay, we're about to have access to all this information, but believe it or not, a lot of the information in our video vault is out everywhere. So the biggest issue was never the, the lack of information. It was just the ability to implement it. So just really learning how to stay focused on what I implement and having a community that I can be involved in that when something does come up, being in the seven figure mastermind group was, was gave me access to information quicker and more direct, even though it might already be out there. So those are the two biggest things that's been really huge in helping where we're at right now is, is having a community that I can constantly pick their brain and then having that focus on the shiny object syndrome and getting really super clear on those weekly goals. Um, I used to be really big on the three-year goal, like, hey, look, I'm going to do 400 deals in three years. Now I get more excited. If I do I do 50 calls a day, three days in a row, that excites me more. That's the momentum that's going to get you there. So if you can get excited about those day-to-day -day things and quit getting excited about your big picture goals, your big picture goals will 
be a byproduct of being consistent to those day-to-day goals. So kind of shifting your focus on what excites you there. Um, but yeah, that's two things that helps. Yeah, and those, those big picture goals will become a reality faster if you take the actions and consistently do those actions up front. So that big three-year goal will happen in a year and a half or two years if you keep looking at the the actions and let that big goal kind of drive you to keep doing those actions. Um, let, let me ask you a question about that shiny object box. So you use a Trello board. I think this is um, this is probably interesting to people. Do you ever like do you put it in the shiny object box uh, board? Do you ever go back in there and like pull some out, or do you just park them like in the parking lot? I think right now a lot of it's just parked. I have pulled stuff out. Um, kind of as needed, you know, I'll look at it. I'll probably look at it every once a month and I just review it. Hey, is there anything here? But for the most, most, mostly it's just parking it because there, there's some stuff in the shiny object board, board. I don't know. I don't know what the correct terminology is, but there's stuff that's sitting in that box that I might've heard from a coach that I don't need until I'm doing 10 deals a month. There's no reason to have that piece of information. If I'm not consistently doing 10 deals a month, then I don't need that piece of information. So it's just a box that's filled up with information that that helps me stay focused on my current phase. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. We we have this like parking lot where I just put ideas. And honestly, like you think an I I think an idea is really good. And then two days later I'll come back and I'll be like, what was I even thinking? Like that is just doesn't I'm not doing that. That's a horrible idea. And, uh, and, but I was all gung ho on it, right? When I thought about it, I thought it was gonna be the future and the change and the shift and everything that we needed. Um, I'm insanely guilty of that. Uh, The other thing that I think you do really well on, you touched on it with like plugging into the community and and having a, an outlet and people to talk to and get advice is you show up really consistently inside the group too. So like you got to give yourself a lot of credit for that. You talked about leveraging the group, leveraging the people in the group, the networking, those kind of things. You show up, you're inside the Facebook group, you're active and you're constantly like being a part of it, asking questions, asking for advice and going in there. I think that's a big part of a lot of people that I've seen become really successful inside of our program is, is not, I don't, I look at it like a, like a gym where you have to use every piece of the equipment, you know, but there's areas of what we do, whether it's uh, some of the relationships that we have with the financial partners, whether it's the in-person events whether it's the Facebook group, whether it's the late, like the coaching calls, the the million dollar calls, like the, the, you know, the, all of those things, like they're using one of those really, really well. So they're like, they really understand how to use one or one or two of the pieces of equipment inside the gym. And they're actually getting their reps in there too. So they're showing up at the events and getting a ton from the events. So they're inside the Facebook group, asking questions and, and responding. Uh, but you're, you're always there. Like I see you everywhere inside the group. And I think it's really a big part of, of, I know it was a big part of my success. Like my involvement in this program was the reason why I became successful. Like I was plugged in. I was helping other people. I was asking questions. In the beginning, I was asking millions of questions. I couldn't help anyone. I had no idea what I was doing. And then I got a little bit more experience. I could kind of reach back and help some other folks. That gave me even more confidence. People came to me to ask me for advice. It gave me more confidence, more responsibility. I had to be, I had to do more deals to become like more um, to know more, to be able to answer those questions. And it just kind of kept going and going and going. So uh, give yourself credit for that. And I think if anybody's listening and you're inside the program, it's a big part of, um, of people's success is to show up. And uh, if you're not in the group, we highly encourage you to find somewhere where you can have an outlet and you can have other people that are helping you and lifting you up. You can ask questions too. You can get advice. 
where like the people inside of our program are not getting paid to give Justin advice. They just want him to win and be really successful. A lot of really like-minded people inside there that are helping support each other and raise them up. How do you think, do you think that's true? Do you think like your activeness and your activity inside the group has been a catalyst to some of the success that you've seen? Yeah, I think it, I think you're uh, the, the cheesy quote I've heard this, but you know, they talk about how your network is equals your net worth. And, and I think kind of diving into that quote is because uh, was it Nick Santosio? Did I say that right? Um, Nick Santa, he, Santa Nastasa. Okay, well, you are, you are not it's a challenge. But, yeah, but the it thing only took me like a year to figure out how to say that one. So. <laughs> well, okay, well, as long as people know who I'm talking about, but at last clip back in live, he had said the law of exposure or the law of proximity. And I'm a huge believer in that because whenever I heard that you were opening up the Top Gun group, I joined, and I think I might have been maybe the first or second person to join. And I wasn't really joining, joining at the time for the content. I just wanted to be close to somebody that that's doing way more than me. And that's how much I believe in that law of proximity because um, I'm an analogy guy. So you'll have to bear with me on this analogy. I don't know how, how correct it is, but I was thinking through something. I was like, I was like, you know, if you've got somebody who's six, think of, thinking of the NBA, if you've got somebody who's six foot one with not a lot of physical traits that looks like a basketball player, but that person is hanging out with Kobe Bryant every day versus somebody else who is six foot nine that's got all the physical traits but he's hanging around people who have negative mindset. Who do you put your money on that's going to thrive in the community? I'm putting my money on somebody that's around Kobe Bryant because I'm, I guarantee you just the law of proximity, he's probably going to thrive better, even though this other person might have better traits. He may not thrive because he doesn't have that, you know, as Nick said, the law of proximity. He's not around a group of people that's just naturally making them better. I think when you're surrounded with that community, I mean, it's even biblical in the Bible. It talks about being in a community. You're not meant to do it alone. And I think that that's for the business too. Um, I think that's a huge step because a lot of times as an entrepreneur, you feel like you're working in a fog where you're like, crap, I feel alone. I don't really know what to do, but you're with a group of people who are all going through the same thing. Your success is just going to be a byproduct of being in the community. Yeah, there's a ton of loneliness in business for sure. You feel like you're the only one struggling. You feel like you're the only one. There's only one time where it feels pretty good is when you're winning. And yeah. you're, I don't know. I, I Sometimes I feel like I'm rarely winning. Um, like, uh, and I just, I feel like I always need a little bit of support. I need to pick me up from time to time. Um, I'm a pretty positive person. I can usually handle uh, a lot. I can, I can take a big load, a heavy load. Um, but from time to time, I just need to, I just need to vent a little bit and you talk about some of that stuff. Um, let's talk about Flip Hacking Live for a second. You've been to Flip Hacking Live before. What What is that event like? I mean, it's just going back to the law of proximity. I mean, it's just, I mean, building a network of people that you get to connect with. There's a guy here in my Northeast Arkansas market. You know, I invited him. He came and he was a wholesaler. He actually met his partner at Flip Hacking Live and he's built like six houses this year because he met someone else who had a out of Hawaii. He met somebody out of Hawaii and now they've partnered and they're building houses right now on top of his wholesale. And he would have never had that opportunity if he wouldn't have went to flip hacking live. And so it's, it's more than just the content you consume. I think the networking and the people that you meet and the partnerships you can form. I mean, just, you know, this year I was working with Vaughn on trying to close a 48 unit. We, I mean, we ended up, you know, deals fall through so that it's okay. It happens, but because, you know, being at Flip Hacking Live, I met somebody who's also in the multifamily space. I had no clue that I was going to do a 48 unit. And it just kind of happened because I met somebody there that that we had found some value to partner together. So 
um yeah i mean that that's why i love it and why i'll always why i will always keep going because just the i think there's going to be a level of like you know i may not need any extra content to get to the next level but there's going to be you can never have enough networking what about the speakers like uh i'm I'm kind of like wondering if the person that's listening, that's like, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of on the fence. Maybe I should go. Maybe I shouldn't. We're about two months away from it. Um, what would you say to them on like the tactics and the presentations? Cause they're probably like, ah, oh, this guy's just going to sell me a whole bunch of stuff while I'm there. Like, I'm not going to get anything from it. Um, what are the presenters like? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's why I love the community. Everybody just lays everything out. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we've got the paid mastermind group that we go into the video vault and then, and then Bill basically tells the speakers, Hey, go, go share that to the public. And so the content that we see in our paid mastermind group is also getting presented to the public. Um, so I just think that that's pretty cool that, you know, that community isn't greedy with the content. They're like, Hey, let us present to you. Let us show you the content that we're using don't we're, you know, we're not saying join the community for the content, join the community for having a group of people that's all working towards the same goal. Yeah. I think, I think that's important. I, I love, I love the concept of just bringing other people up. Like I, I, I genuinely want you and everyone else to be way more successful than me. Like if I can yeah. figure out how to do that, that would make me really, really happy. Like if everybody is just like crushing my business and and blowing up and, and doing really, really well. Cause I know we bring the right people in with the right heart. They're going to help their community. They're going to help the other people they work with, their contractors, the employees, the staff, put more money into the economy, all of that stuff. So um, what's next for you? What does the future look like for you? Man, we, we've never been more clear. I think the last year and a half has been a lot of struggle and clarity. Um, but our goal is just to really dive into raising our private funds and getting into building that single family portfolio. And uh, I, I want to jump into the multifamily side, but Vaughn won't let me until I, I have consistent months on the single family. So we're uh, right now, we're not doing anything else until we touch 50 doors and have a team that's growing that single family portfolio. Once we have that consistency there, then I might try to branch into the next venture. Um, for me, I would, the reason I got into real estate is I would love to have that, that freedom to go off and be like a, motivational keynote speaker or somebody that can just get on stage and just leave the audience with just this wow factor of, of like that changed my life to me. That's where my heart's at. I want to get to that point, but um, right now I have a super clear goal on what my next step is. Well, one thing that I hear in you is that uh, you got a coach, you hired a coach, you're paying for a coach, but you're also listening to your coach because yeah. that to me, so that right there, that one thing is why you'll be successful. I see a lot of people pay for things. They go into things like, oh, I already know half of this stuff. I'm, I'm only going to do 80% of what I'm told and then 20% of sprinkling what I think I already know. And the reason why they're not successful is because they're not listening to the people that are successful. And if you can do that, like you, you can, anybody can pay to be in a group. Anybody can pay for a coach. Anybody can pay for a mastermind. Not everybody is successful with it. And the reason why is because they don't listen to the coach. So I, there's probably plenty of people that Vaughn will tell stuff to, and they just will be like, I'm joining anyway. I don't care. I'm going down the multifamily road anyway. I don't care. And there, I think the reason why you'll be insanely successful is because you'll keep listening to the people who have blazed the trail before you that you know um, are giving you great advice. So I love that. Um, I love that advice. So 
keep listening to your coach. And for you guys that are out there, I'll tell you, you're probably listening to too many people. Like Absolutely. way too many people. The big problem is you're listening to too many podcasts. You're going to too many conferences. You're buying too many programs. You're, you're just listening to too much. You're listening to too many different YouTube videos. You just pick one. Just pick one and go all in for a while. And show up, listen, pay attention, do what they say. Successful or unsuccessful, figure it out. Get advice back from that same person. And keep going. And that's, yeah. I, I think you should go to one conference. I think you should go to Flip Hacking Live. I think you should listen to one podcast and I think it's mine. But like, <laughs> I think, or find, find, if you got one that you love better than mine and you're like, well, Bill's telling me to do this and these other two people are telling me to do this, then go listen to theirs. Like, stop, turn, turn off the noise. Like we're drowning in information right now and we're not listening to our trusted advisors and really going all in on it. So that's a big challenge I have for you guys. Go to fliphackinglive.com, grab a ticket, come there. Listen to us if it, if it makes sense for you to do so. If you got somebody else or some other conference you want to go to, go there. But I'm telling you, like, there's a place for you. You just have to find it. And uh, and and that's what that's what I believe. I've been looking in the marketing world for a place for me for years and years and years, and I found it. And I'm like, I'm just going to stay here. There's plenty of other masterminds, plenty of other groups, plenty of other conferences, plenty of other programs I can join, other people I can listen to. But I'm just, I'm just going to listen to my coach. I'm going to listen to this thing, like. I'm paying him. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to do what he says. And so that's why we're successful, Justin, because we listen to the people that we pay and we're not listening to too many voices. And because there's so much like, do you you agree that there's so much like so much noise out there and everybody's kind of saying like different stuff, like they're telling you to do different things. So it can get really confusing. Yeah, that's, that's um, a hundred percent agree. I think, you know, one of the things I've done this year is, you know, between your your podcast and bigger pockets, I don't I don't listen to anything else. I, before that, I probably had seventeen different podcasts, and even this year, I don't even I don't even listen to podcasts as much as I did last year because I don't I'm scared to get distracted. Uh, for me, any information I want to find out, I'm I'm sending Vaughn a message like, "Hey, what do I do here?" So it's it's I've gotten to the point that I'm 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 not even reading new books this year. My January 1st of this year, I told myself, if I read any books, I'm only reading the same books just to try to implement some stuff. I'm not reading a book a month. I might take three three months to read a book now because now I've got a note card where I might implement something out of it. So just to try to reduce some of that noise. Um, but there's a quote from the, the book, The Compound Effect, and it, it says, what's simple to do is not simple to do. The magic is not in the complexity of the task. The task. The magic is in doing the simple things repeatedly and long enough to ignite the miracle of the compound effect. Um, to me, that's one, when I hear that quote, that's one of those things I feel like I'm getting hit in the gut because it's like almost like this, why didn't I just understand that sooner? Because I really believe if I would have understood that concept sooner, I would have implemented it uh, at a more consistent pace two years ago, not this year. And I would have possibly been closer to, to that financial freedom that I'm looking for. But it's, I think that there's so many people, they don't realize how simple it is until it's almost like this aha moment that down the road, you're like, like it's simpler than you realize, you know, just getting on the, getting in front of your computer, making your consistent calls. And, and there, there is a level of growth where, you know, now you, now you can start implementing new tactics. Now you can start, you know, looking at growth, but there's no reason in growing if you don't understand the simplicity of consistency. And so I 
part, the first thing to do is reduce the noise so that you can be focused on that consistency. Because if you have so much noise out there, you, you're not going to know what's, what's simple. You're going to be overwhelmed and not even know what the simple tasks are. But um, yeah, that's just to sum that up, just the consistency and the simple things. That's my focus. And that's what I feel like a lot of people's focus needs to be like, shut the noise off. You probably already know what to do. Just go take this, be super clear on what your weekly goals are and then worry about growing and implementing tactics. Because I've heard you say this bill many times, it's rarely a tactic thing. It's usually probably a framework in which you view it. For me, my framework was I seeked information obsessively out of insecurities because I was so insecure, like, am I going to make the wrong decision? But now I'm at a point that I seek information for actual growth, not just obsessively, but yeah, just that simplicity through consistency or whatever. My, um, no, yeah, that, so. that, that, that's, that's perfect. Like dead on. Like, I, I love that. Um, a lot of people do seek information, like more and more information. I just need to know more, know more, know more before I start. Because exactly what you said, and the fact that you know that, feel that, and can verbalize it, like that's a lot of growth right there. And which means you may have had to have issues in the last year to get to the place that you are now to see that and know that so you can actually get to the next level with the right foundation on that house, right? And so yeah. a year of pain may have created the strong foundation that you need to actually build the house. So, uh, so look back and know that. Um, all right. I think if you take that mindset and that strategy for you forward for you, you're going to do incredibly well. I'm really excited for you. Um, we got Flip Hacking Live coming up. If you guys are listening, go to fliphackinglive.com. You can meet Justin there and people just like him inside of our group. Other folks that are doing really big things. We got some amazing presentation planned for you. Right after this, I have a call to finalize the structure of it and everything that we're going to be doing. Um, it's three days, October 12th, 13th, and 14th. It's in San Diego, California this year. There's not a better place to be in October than San Diego. I love it. It's downtown, um, right, right at the bottom of the gas lamp district, downtown, really beautiful place. The hotel is amazing. Staying in the hotel is a must. You can hang out with other people, bump, rub shoulders with all the other investors, the speakers, everybody's going to be there. Um, it's a really great place. So we're staying at the Hilton Bayfront Hotel downtown right on the water. It's beautiful. So hopefully you guys will join us. Go to fliphackinglive.com, grab a ticket. Um, Justin, thanks for hanging out with me today. If people are interested in learning more about you, is there something that you need? It sounds like you're looking for more private money, probably more deals in Northeast Arkansas if one of the 100,000 people that lives there is listening to this. Um, but like, how can they get a hold of you? What's a way that they can get in touch with you and um, your, your like three-second ad? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, any social media, try to keep it simple, Justin Tate underscore real estate. So to check that out, I usually try to respond to my DMs. I love, I'm an open book. People tell me I ramble too much. So if you get on the phone with me, I'll probably ramble your ears off, but I'm an open book and I'll lay out all the information I know. And then, you know, if you, I try to, you know, Bill Allen's podcast is really focused on the real estate stuff. If you want to check out my Gold Nugget podcast, it's, it's focused on this more of this mindset stuff. So, um, you can send me a message at either one of those places and I'd love to hop on a call and just ramble your ears off. Awesome. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today, guys. I will see you on the next show and at Flip Hacking Live. Don't forget, go to fliphackinglive.com, grab your ticket. The price goes up like every week or two as we get closer and closer. So don't wait, go there, grab your ticket, fliphackinglive.com. We'll see you in October 12th, 13th and 14th in San Diego.